You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to Strange Familiars. How are you tonight, Allison? Well, we've reached that point in January. I'm just sad, cold, and itchy. So pretty much the same as December. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> most of February, first half of March, all of November, definitely December. <laughs> well, on tonight's show, so soon after the patron episode, where I gave everybody so much, woo! we're going back to the woo. Not to the same place, though. I met a witness at Gazoo's Woods. You may remember Gazoo's Woods from previous episodes. You might want to check those out and familiarize yourself with the stories there. I met a witness out there this Saturday past, and we had such a strange afternoon that I turned around the show and edited it and had him on to talk about things right away so we could get this out this week while it was fresh in our heads. I thought you guys went ice skating. He went ice skating. <laughs> the trails times. were apparently ice. The trails were solid ice, very treacherous. But uh, we had a pretty interesting and weird day. And you'll hear all about that in a minute. And then after that, we're going to hear from John and Sam from Riverbend Comics. Once again, I'm going to tell us about some more comics, which may be of interest to paranormal folks. You know what Riverbend Comics has, Allison? They don't have perfect puppies. I know that. They don't. They've got a certain comic book. Oh, it's your comic <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they have Department of Truth number 15 with my variant cover, 
the Mothman image I did. It is pretty snazzy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you that. You can pick it up at Riverbend Comics, riverbendcomics.com. You can pick it up from our Etsy shop. Like I said before, it doesn't matter to us where you get it. We are working with Riverbend Comics with this. Either place is fine. All right. So let's go ahead and start this rather strange day at Gazoo's Woods. Well, welcome to Strange Familiars, Octavian. How are you doing tonight? Hello, hello, I'm doing very well. How are you, Tim? Doing all right. Have you recovered from yesterday? Yes, I have. I know I took a couple pills there, but I'm uh, I'm all recovered now. Yes, I felt awful. See, usually I'm the one falling on any hike, so uh, that you hit the dust a few times. Uh, I felt bad about that, but the trails were ice. They were nothing but ice. Yeah, they were solid ice, and I don't even, I didn't realize that, and I'm always very clumsy on trails, even when it's not winter, but uh, that was especially treacherous, but uh, no, I'm all right now. Thank you. We went to Gazoo's Woods yesterday. I met Octavian out there because he had some experiences out there. Yeah, so for listeners who aren't familiar, you can hear about Gazoo's Woods in episodes 242 and 243, which were not the first time we went there, but that was the big experience that Chad and I had there. And I had talked about it before, and I originally went there because there was a pretty intense BFRO report, so I wanted to go check it out for that. I went alone, had a pretty weird day where I photographed something in the woods. Don't know what it was, something upright, and it looked very weird, and found a bunch of weird stuffed animals around the cemetery in the woods there, and just had a kind of a weird day. Chad and I went back another time, and we had a kind of a weird experience where we were waiting for someone to, he was walking his dog in the cemetery, he was walking a pug with a bandana around its neck, and then we found another stuffed animal, brand new, in the woods right outside the graveyard that was a pug with a bandana around its neck. And ever since then, I've been kind of documenting the, uh, the placement and the decay of this pug, but Chad and I went back one night in the summer and had a pretty intense experience there where things were being thrown at us and we were seeing eye shine and Chad asked for a gift or rather he left a gift and asked for one in return and got this weird cry back when he asked for it and I asked whatever it was to throw a stone at us and it you know on cue threw a stone right next to us really really intense night that's in episodes 242 and 243 that's Gazoo's Woods part one and part two Octavian mentioned on the Strange Familiars Discord that he had some experiences out there. So we decided to meet out there, and we finally made it happen just yesterday, which would have been January 22nd, Saturday. It's the following day. It was such an intense and uh, kind of uh, encompassing, I don't want to say overwhelming, but encompassing experience that we thought we'd better talk about it while it was fresh on our minds. It was very immense. Yeah, there was literally things going on all day. I think when Chad and I were there at night, it was more intense, but this was definitely more active throughout the whole time that we were there. I don't think either of us felt scared throughout the experience. I mean, there was a part where I was getting a little anxious just because we were hearing sounds and you were like, all right, well, let's just, let's just go in. Let's just go in and, and, and follow it. And I was like, okay, but I, I really wasn't sure what was going to happen and what we were going to find when we got closer. Yeah, that's, 
you know, I, I just, I have that where I just, I need to go. I need to go check it out. I'm glad we did. I think that was contributed a little bit to how active it was all day. I don't know. I feel like we signaled that we signaled to the other, that it was like, okay, like the way we were, we were there for it. So this originally was about these two experiences you had, and really we didn't know that anything was going to happen that day. So you told me about these two experiences as we were walking up the hill towards uh, the area where you had these experiences. Now, this is a steep hill. Uh, It was a very, very cold day. I'm breathing hard because we're going up a hill. The leaves and the ice are crunching beneath our feet, so... I apologize for the less than perfect audio, but we'll go ahead and hear you tell about your first experience. All right, we're here back at Kazoo's Woods, and we are with Octavian. That's a fine black metal name you have for Thank podcasting. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. And head up that way first? I, well, all my stuff is up this way. Okay. Well, let's go that way first, then. Okay. And then I do want to hit the graveyard before Yeah, no, I do, too. No, I was by myself, and um, as I've been getting more into the actual practice of paganism, I, uh, you know, you do offerings to your chosen deity, and I started to draw some parallels between, you know, the offerings, that, you know, gifting, which in my opinion is just another term for offering, and the ones, you know, for Sasquatch, and, uh, that you would for you know, deities and such. And so, I came out here. Going up the fire road? Yep. Yep. And uh, I knew I couldn't stay long because I didn't have any yellow on me. And I knew that there were probably some DNR guys up here hunting. And I was just trying to find a good offering spot because I want to start that. And uh, I've gotten in the habit of talking to the woods. And I wasn't really feeling anything. I wasn't really sensing anything. There's two, like, um, small little patches of just grass next to the trail. And uh, walked past the second grass field and... uh, saw a little trail that I had never seen before, so I took a right, and it was barely a trail. It was super treacherous. But I walked in, and uh, I found, I I looked to my left, and there was, it wasn't a structure, but it was definitely something left by a storm. And um, so I was like, all right, well, that's as good a spot as any. As soon as I got into the actual woods, I look over and there's a deer stand. So I'm like, oh, well, shit. well, whatever. So I found the spot. I didn't put anything there. I have a bowl that I was going to bring out here eventually and use it. And so as I'm looking around this area, I just hear what I can only really explain here for Not, it wasn't knocks, it was, it was a light tap. 
I didn't see any other cars. I didn't see any other people. It could have been people, but it was a weird rhythm, uh, rhythmic sound. And I just kind of noted it and went home. That was the last time I was here. The mic is on my chest in a little pouch and it's right near my mouth so <laughs> I apologize but we were going up a hill and I'm a little bit out of shape so sorry for the breathing over that but the important thing in that clip is Octavian when you demonstrated what you heard with that tapping I was like I, I need to be able to explain this properly because I didn't want it to come across as it was just light knocking it's not I needed to show you exactly in the best way that I could what it, I heard and so i just took two sticks i was like as we were walking i I saw those two sticks as we were as we were walking and so i just picked them up and i tried to demonstrate as best i could the exact rhythm and sound of what i heard that day yeah i think people should keep that in mind given what's coming up and what we'll be playing here so then you went on and uh described some other experiences the incident that happened that I brought up to you that was not meeting before. That was back in June, right? So yeah, I met. I posted in the, the Discord probably an hour or two after it happened because I went right home after it happened. And I, I meant to look at that last night just to get a refresher on what I wrote down. And I need to start making notebooks and stuff. It was June 24th, I came up here by myself because I had heard your episodes and I had been here twice before with some friends. Um, just a hike or? Yeah, just yeah. a hike. Well, they were just here to hike. I don't come out into the woods without thinking about it. Sure, yeah. You know. But I mean, had you seen the BFRO report or? Not until you mentioned it. Okay, so you just came here randomly. Basically. Okay. And nothing happened the first two times I was here. Um, and then I came out here one day in June. And I was walking up this trail. And I got to... I don't know how to explain it. It's basically where the large trees kind of... There's a part where there's some smaller pine trees. Black bird, but it had some white on it. What? Look, it looked like a crow, but it had white on it. Oh, so we got to this area of the trail where there's a tree in the middle of it. So we didn't make much of that crow. Uh, you didn't see it. No, I didn't. I, I don't know. It's a big black bird, but it had white on it too. I don't know if that's you know something weird or if maybe it was a crow with a white spot you know maybe well, I, didn't, I didn't mean to like gloss over it i was just trying to remember the be- the most details i could in sequential order and so i kind of glossed over it but i i i should have probably paid a little bit more attention to that when you said it well frankly you know <laughs> we didn't know what was we were headed for you we, know all we it, and for, from my perspective, I thought I was meeting you. We were going to walk up to where I had my two experiences. We were going to talk about it, maybe talk some like theory, something like that, and then leave. That mm-hmm. was what I assumed we were going to be doing. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And so, frankly, I had forgotten about that crow, given everything else that happened until, you know, I was editing the audio. I heard it. I was like, oh, yeah, that was kind of strange. I don't know if it was uh, a piebald crow or 
Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a strange familiar, whatever it was. It was a blackbird with weight on it. All right, we'll continue. Split into two. Behind me was this pile or patch of pine trees. And the order of the, the, the sequence of events is a little hazy to me. Um, but basically, I heard a knock, and then behind me, I heard what can I, I can only describe to you as something trying to imitate a bird. You, you could tell it wasn't a bird. Yeah. Been out in the woods my whole life, I know what birds sound like. Right, yeah. And then a voice came into my head. It was my voice. I'm not saying it was mine. Still. I know it was my voice, but it was it was very distinct. It was it was just um, you have two options. You can either go ahead or you can leave. But if you go ahead, you might not see, you might see something you're not prepared for. And so I tensed up for a moment. And the second that thought was in my head, back and back of the why this mechanism exists but your mind automatically makes you question it and it makes it just starts to get a little hazy and you can't quite tell you know a did, you, did it actually happen or b was it as weird as you thought it was at the time yes and with time the problem is at least i've noticed the further you get away from something the less you realize how weird it was He'll sit there, you know, two weeks later and go, was it really that weird? Maybe it wasn't. It's hard to put yourself back in that moment. Yeah, no, exactly. After that, Alden, my co-host, and I came up here because I wanted to show him the area. Because he had been in here once before, um, but it wasn't for any specific reason. And... I just wanted to get up here again and see what I could see. Nothing happened the whole time until we verbalized that we were leaving. And as soon as we did that, every step we took, something else was stepping with us. And so we did a little experiment right then and there, where we said, all right, if it's a squirrel, it'll just keep going. If it's a deer, it'll just keep going. Or it'll, come, it'll just stay still, but it's not going to mimic us. Right, so right. We took five steps and stopped. And this thing took five steps and stopped right after us. Yeah. And we kept doing that until we got out to the parking lot. And I was like, well, we're finally getting something. Let's not leave just yet. So we walked up to the cemetery. And we sat down at the bench. Something was moving behind me. I find I flash, you know, I shine my flashlight 
So this is a nighttime visit? Yeah. Okay. I shined my flashlight from the back of us where I heard it. I didn't see any deer. I didn't see any squirrels. It very well could have been a squirrel. A squirrel sounds like elephants and They can, yeah. I don't want to say you were trying to get my attention. Or our attention, but that's kind of what it felt like. So how long did you end up staying up there then? Uh, up here or down there? At the cemetery after you heard all that? About 20 minutes. And I contemplated going through that trail behind the cemetery. But uh, I could tell that Alden was getting a little bit more than he bargained for. Yeah. So we left. All right. So the next thing we did is we went to the area, kind of the area where you had your first experience, right? Well, we should be kind of specific. So we were, I would say, 10 to 15 steps before where I had my experience. And okay. then, yeah. So we were very close at this point already. Yeah. In this thing, we hear the first knocks and taps of the day. We had a couple, like, uh, you know, baseball bat kind of echoey knocks, but most of the time throughout the day, these were quieter kind of tapping, just like you described. Exactly, with the same sporadic rhythmic timing and everything. And before anyone says woodpeckers, these... I went through when that night, that I, that after when we were up there, I went on my computer and I listened to an hour's worth of woodpecker sounds and different kinds of woodpeckers. And the only thing that I could find that was even a minute close to what we heard was a woodpecker that exists solely in the Amazon rainforest. <laughs> and I don't think these were woodpeckers at all. But let's say if they were woodpeckers, they followed us all day long. They moved from tree to tree. And it was an army of them. Yeah, on either side of us and... You know, we never saw a woodpecker all day long, but they would follow us along the trail, so they were constantly with us. This tapping followed us all day long. There were, it didn't stop. There were a few moments where, where it stopped or we thought it stopped, and then it would just pick up again, including as we were leaving. I was getting yeah. in, in the, my car and still heard it. So, it, yeah, it, this tapping was kind So this is the first time we hear it, though, on this visit. Yeah. Did you hear that? There's a, a distant tapping... Doesn't sound consistent enough to be a woodpecker. No. Maybe, but doesn't have, it doesn't have that feel. Yeah, it's a weird rhythm, but it's rhythmic. At least mine is. Around that bend is where I had it, where the whole thing happened. Interesting. That's getting louder. It's inconsistent in tone. Yeah. I, I didn't remember that you mentioned anything about the tone and how relevant that was to early, like later on in the day. Yeah. I, it was a pretty incredible day. Let's say that. And the thing is, to the listeners, when Tim and Chad go out and do these things, because I'm a listener, and you're listening to it, and I love the on-site episodes, but Tim's right when he says that the recorder just doesn't do it justice because the only way that you could even really grasp what kind of day it was for us was to be there because, and some of the sounds and most of the sounds actually that you sent me came through pretty well, but they don't quite give you that full scope of what we 
were hearing and and everything that was going on around us. No, if people listen to those first two clips, besides my out-of-shape breathing as we're going up the hill, you'll hear that crunching, and that the leaves and the ice were just crunching under our feet all day. So as I'm going through the audio... I didn't even attempt to pull anything out while we were walking. You just wouldn't hear anything above that. But and I was surprised because when you showed up, I was it was just you. And I was like, oh, where's the studio? I thought, you know, he had a studio in the woods. <laughs> in any case, I was able to pull a few of those knocks out. So this is uh, some of the knocks. And I'm, I'm calling them knocks. They were somewhere between knocks and taps. Again, very much like Octavian described in that first clip. But here's these... There's some airplane noise in the background, but I think you'll be able to listen through and, and hear the kind of tapping knocks that we were hearing. And here's a second clip of them. Uh, hopefully everybody could hear those. That's kind of what we were hearing, and that's what we were hearing all day. And again, they followed us everywhere we went, pretty much throughout this place. So, yeah, uh, and it was weird how the second we would get closer in that direction, and then it would move. And it was weird because there were some parts where we would walk towards it, and it would stop, and it would go somewhere else. But it still it sounded closer than it did the direction we were following it. If that makes sense. Yeah, there were definite times where, you know, I would look at you and point in the direction I thought it was coming from. And you would look at me and like point in the opposite direction. I'd be like, really? And then all of a sudden I'd hear it coming from that direction. I was like, oh yeah. So it was happening all around us. And, you know, I guess sometimes my attention's drawn one way and yours attention's drawn the other. It was interesting. Again, not woodpeckers, but if they were, there's a, there's an army of them there that were very interested in following us around. And so well coordinated. Yeah. Yeah. So we walked down towards the Knox. We were kind of hearing them down over a hill and we walk that way and go ahead and play the next clip of knocks here. Now, I didn't just take every bit of knocking out. Again, there was so much of it. But I wanted to take a few clips you know, so people could hear kind of what we were hearing all day long. And this is how our day started with these knocks. So this is as we you know walked down closer to where we thought they were coming from. That's a much better example. The plane, Absolutely. Yeah, you can. The plane is further away, I guess, at that point, or something. But um, we were off the trail by this point, right? We were off the trail. Yeah, we were just kind of heading towards where we thought the sound was coming from. Yeah. And I think we did get somewhat closer. I think that's why it came through clear. The knocks did stop for a little bit when those hikers came through. Yeah, they did. Uh, and there were people there. There was like a woman walking her dog, and then there was a group. But those are the only people that I think we saw all day. Yeah, yeah. So we could see a hiking trail from where we were. We were off trail. And uh, we heard some voices. And at first we were like, what? what's that? And, of course, it was just hikers. But when they came, the, the knocks stopped. It was kind of weird. And uh, we kind of watched them go down the trail. And then we started walking back. On the way back up, we stopped a few times to talk about different things. We had a that fox came up on us. And uh, very close. Man, your face was great. 
it took me a minute as soon as you said that was a fox i was like yeah that's that was a fox i just was so not expecting it and it was close to us too well the first part of their cry is very very if if it like hits you really suddenly it sounds totally alien but then as the cry goes on you're like oh okay i've heard that yeah it's a fox yeah yeah but we did catch this other cry that was like i don't know what it was if you know we I, <laughs> we were talking about roosters we we were going back and forth about is that a rooster is there, are there roosters around here what what is that yeah it sounds a little too low to be a rooster maybe a half octave below a rooster and it was coming it, it was it was interestingly timed with the dog barks that were happening underneath it yeah so this is i have it labeled wow <laughs> that's kind of uh, what i hear this uh whatever it is saying here but yeah this was kind of as we were coming back up towards the trail and that was a good ways off but, Which is so, and I know that you've brought this up uh, in those episodes about Gazoo's Woods, and for the listeners, it, it's, the only way I can describe it is, is if you look on, like, Google Maps of Michaud, what you have is this very wide, uh, not super wide, but there's a good area of forest, and, it's, and it goes on for a long ways, and there's, and there's civilization uh, close to it, but not in the woods themselves. At uh, Gazoo's, it's it's different because there are houses in the woods, like not in like the park proper, but directly on its borders. There's whole suburbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's houses around. There's other parkland around too, not too far away. Kind of a major creek comes through there. Yeah, I mean, it's again, we're not dealing with deep wilderness here at all. No, and Maryland doesn't really have, I mean, we have Catoctin, which is also a part of the same forest as Michaud. And then the other thing is like Patapsco, which is our big state park. It's not all one area. It's multiple areas interspersed with civilization that mm-hmm. all kind of connect by the river, but there's cities and towns and then parts of the woods and then cities and towns and then parts of the woods. It's not all connected like that. Well, then we started walking to your gifting site or the the site you were intending to use for your gifting site. You'll hear us in this whole section talk about the tapping starting again. So it it, it kind of died down when we saw those hikers, and then it, it, it probably sounded... I mean, it was going on so much, I honestly don't remember if it started up and then died down again, and then it started again. But for whatever reason, we make mention of like, oh, there, it started again in this clip. And then... Uh, as we're walking to this area, I saw something, and we'll come back and talk about that. I, It's weird. I and wish I had seen it. I saw something, but I didn't see what you saw. Yeah, it's. we'll talk more about it. Let's just play the clip first. The tapping is back. Yeah. Whoa. What the f*** was that? If it was a bird, it was a huge freaking bird. All right, come on. hold on a second. I don't know where that went. What? Whatever that was, I don't know where it went, but it was absolutely massive. I feel like it was a bird. At least it was moving, like, but it wasn't. I didn't see it go up. It was. 
It was it was tannish and, and had looked like it had like tan tan and white on it. I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, I know there's houses back there. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's like what twenty degrees today too. Huh? Twenty degrees or something out today. Yeah. All right, uh, let me just play this next one, too, because I, I go on describing this thing a little bit more in this clip. As we walked up there, yeah. what I saw was something light brown and white in color mm-hmm. moving through the woods this way. I don't know where it went. I thought it was a bird, but if it was a bird, it was as big as me. Mm-hmm. So that, that it looked bigger, honestly. But okay. either there was a golden eagle down there I think they have a seven foot wingspan that was flying sideways I don't know wherever I saw it was big and it moved like that okay. and I don't know where it went and I didn't see it go up you know you would think a bird would yeah would go up yeah uh wasn't a deer because it had too much broad side to it you know and it wasn't doing the mm-hmm. the deer run I don't know what it was. I'm I'm disturbed by that. I'm sorry if I feel like if you, I seem like I'm not paying attention. No, 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 no. I appreciate you br- you noting what you see. And we are hearing stuff all around us, yeah. like for the listener. We're like surrounded. We're it, completely. It, it's weird. And the woods are open. And it's a nice sunny day. Cold, but nice. Before I go back to that creature, when we say the the knocks have started again, we heard there's a nice knock like a real good crack with an echo you can hear this is one of the ones that was a little more forceful than some of the others we were hearing so let me play that and then i'll come back and talk about that whatever it was i saw so that's got a nice like baseball bat crack to it nice echo on it you know i described pretty much in that second clip what i saw and Octavian, you said... I saw a white flash of something, like, above a log. Mm -hmm. And then you said what you saw, it really, uh, it kind of shook you there for a minute. Because it wasn't a deer, because anything walking through that, we would have heard a mile away. Yeah, and it wasn't running like a deer. You know, deer have that up and down bounce thing, especially through the woods when they're, you know, hopping over logs and stuff. And, you know, I'm describing this thing... And I said, you know, it was like a bird. And, you know, I know enough about cryptid encounters that this should have occurred to me. But I guess in the moment, I either didn't want to, you know, subconsciously, I didn't want to vocalize it or not. But I'm describing its movement. And I was like, yeah, it was like a bird, but it didn't go up. And you said, at some point, you said, you mean like it was a gliding motion? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. It was a gliding motion. Again, the, the, the woods weren't super deep there. I don't know where it went. Uh, you know, we, saw, we could see houses yeah. from where we were standing. Yeah, yeah, and it was between us and the house. So again, not deep forest here. I don't know what it was. Still, you know, like I said, it was very broad. It was easily as big as me. It looked wider, honestly. What yeah. annoys me is I know exactly when you said something. I was looking for the tree that I had found that I was going to be using as an offering spot. And I quickly looked and that's when I saw just something, just a flash of white above the log and then it dipped back down. And then we walked over there and didn't see anything, nothing. My purpose in walking over there was, I thought if this is a big bird, 
I'm going to scare it up and we'll, you know, it'd be cool to see this, whatever, you know, if it's a golden yeah. eagle or something huge like that, it'd be cool to see it. And Absolutely. I thought, you know, we need to scare this up because it, it, it should move if I come close to it. Nothing. It was bewildering. Like whatever that was, was just, it wasn't there. We visited your gifting area and then we, we made our way back down the hill. Gazoo kind of has two parts. It kind of has this more of a, um, the one area has a cemetery and some woods and the other area is just woods and it has some like shelters you can stay at overnight and fire roads and stuff. It's, it's more like a, a woodland kind of area, I guess. And then yeah, there's a couple of trails that I've walked on. Like you pointed to a trail I guess you hadn't been on it and you asked me about it. And I, I had said, cause I had been there with two of my skeptic friends just to do a nice night, ha- night hike. And, uh, there were a ton of like fallen trees on the trail dips down at a point and if you're not watching what you're doing and if with that ice it would have been really really hard to to navigate safely yeah most of the day i spent not walking on the actual trail i spent walking in the woods beside the trail because they they were just too treacherous it was just too much yeah i tried to do that but at a certain point i kind of just like forgot and just started walking on the trail and, and i learned my lesson there so we went to the, the other section. Now, the other section is where Chad and I spend most of our time. It's got the cemetery, and it's got the other section of woods there. And that area is where I believe the BFRO sighting, the report that's on the BFRO, I believe it happened there. I could be wrong, but they describe sitting at a picnic table, and I can't think of where else it would be if it wasn't in that area. I truly believe it's in that area. And again, that's the area where you know Chad and I saw the red eye shine and had the thing cry at us and stones throw at us and everything else so we make our way over to there and we're we're walking through the woods to get up to the cemetery and we hear some more taps And you can just hear those taps in the background. That's, you know, I'm just kind of playing a lot of them because that's what we heard all day. Yeah, and it was, the the recorder doesn't really show this, but I mean, they were coming from multiple directions simultaneously. Um, mm-hmm. We were see, we were hearing them from every angle. So it was just a very, like, I think at one point, I don't know if this was then or a little bit after this, but you were saying, you know, a flesh and blood would have said that we were being triangulated. Yeah, that's what it felt like to me as we were walking up to the cemetery. Like you were saying, I did knock. At one point, I knocked and we, I got a reply. The sa- pretty much the same pattern I knocked, we got a reply at. Didn't really come through. The reply didn't come through on the recording, so... Again, if either one of us moved on the ice, if we stepped, you know, in the leaves or, you know, anything, it's these taps are not super loud. It was easy to uh, lose them in the other sound. And when, and I had my recorder on, but it was in my pocket. So, like, when I went through my audio, it was all muffled. You could barely hear us talking, let alone whatever was going on around us. Yeah. Here's another section of taps just went while we were on our way up to the graveyard.
one more and the interesting thing about this one is this low hum which uh later on in the recording we mention about hearing a hum a really really low hum we didn't mention it this time and and i don't know if i heard it at this time as we were walking up to the cemetery but it's on the recording and and this is quite literally what i heard later it's it's a very bassy hum makes your eardrums rattle almost Now, that is not an airplane. There are some airplanes on the recordings you can hear. There was not an airplane at that point. No, but that was definitely different. That was a different, like, substance. Yeah, and when I got that clip, I was just trying to, I wasn't trying to find the hum. I didn't know the hum would be there at that time because we, like, we didn't really notice it until we were on the way back down. So when I heard that hum come through, I was like, oh, that's the hum. That's it. That's what I heard. Real low like that. So, I don't think I heard it as as audible as you did while we were there, but on the recording I did. Yeah, yeah. And when I mention it again, you can literally hear it start up in the other section when, when we come back down. We made it up to the cemetery, and I was looking for stuffed animals, and I found the pug in an interesting place. So we'll play this now. This has been moved. Okay. It was up there by that stump. This is the pug that Chad and I okay. found that day after we saw the guy walking his pug with a bandana around his neck. Okay. We found this in the woods back here. I've been noting its decomposition each time. Last time the eyes were ripped out, but it was up there. The interesting thing about the placement of it here today is the last time I was here, John and I and our sons were on a hike. And we walked this little game trail back. Okay. And it's right on the game trail that we walked. I, you hadn't had much experience with the, the pug and the stuffed animals, so I don't know if that had much impact on you, but uh, that seemed pretty symbolic to me that it had been moved about 30 feet, I guess, from the, a stump. But the place it had been moved at is this little side trail. And I specifically went there with John that day, and you know our sons came along with us. But uh, I specifically went there to hike that side trail because I'd never followed it before. So the fact that the pug was on the at the head of that trail basically kind of struck me as at least potentially symbolic there. I understood why that was so symbolic because I remember listening to those episodes at Gazoo's, and you were talking about the pug, and then you were talking about it was either a horse or a gorilla. I can't remember, and how you bought that same model or same one for your daughter years and years and years ago. When you even brought up the pug, I was like, oh, okay, so that's the pug. That's mm, the one. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was it, and it's it's further decomposed uh, at this point. It was brand new when Chad and I first found it, so it's interesting. Again, I want to meet the kid who's playing, you know, stuffed animals in the graveyard for five years. Oh, or yeah, absolutely. However long I've been going there. So we make our way back up to the cemetery, checked around for stuffed animals, and I showed you the place where Chad and I found someone else's offering site. They had oyster shells there when we first found it with coins in them. 
Since then, the coins had been taken, probably by people, I don't know. And we had left the rock that when we met Diane in the cemetery in Columbia, and she was telling us a story about having the rock thrown at her by something in the woods. She gave us that rock, and we left that rock there. The last time, or two times ago, the rock had been moved. We left it between the two oyster shells that had been moved about a foot away, and I put it back up against the tree. It was in the exact same place I left it, so the rock hadn't been touched since the last time I was there. However, the oyster shells were crossed like an X, one on top of the other. So they had changed. Not saying it's not people, I just, I'm just noting these things that have changed. While we were there, we heard more taps. So this is taps at the cemetery. And that, I believe that's a plane in the background there. It's, it's not as prominent as that other uh, low drone. This is another set of taps when we were at the cemetery. Yeah, that's, there's a plane in, in that clip. You can tell the difference between that and the drone we played before. That's when you said, hey, that's a that's a hollower knock. It sounds like they're knocking with a bottle or something. And you can kind of hear it yeah, in that clip. Uh, yeah, because on, on my, like, I'm trying to think about where we were standing. But behind me, it sounded like it was being hit on a, bo- a bottle or some kind of hollow object. And then ahead of us to our right there was a sound of like it was very crisp like rocks or almost like something metallic being banged together yeah i'll play that one one more time so you kind of hear the difference between that and the other ones there's definitely different tones in this one Yeah, there's everything from crisp taps to real hollow kind of tones in that. That one's got a variety of different textures, sonic textures in it. Yeah, it did. The other thing I heard there, and I couldn't pick this out. I I mentioned it on the recording, but I couldn't pull it out. I kept hearing like a whoosh sound coming from down in the woods. Yeah, you said it sounded like someone walking in sweatpants. Corduroys. And corduroy Uh, pants. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, Yeah. like that whoosh, whoosh, whoosh when people, you know, would walk in corduroy pants. That's what it sounded like, yeah. That didn't come through in the tape. That you know, I kept hearing that. I wish I could stop saying tape. I'm I'm old. I'm in the recording. No, I, st- I mean I use tape, so okay. I, it's okay. <laughs> All right. So we started making our way back down, and you call this fellow Luke. Now you want to tell us who Luke is? So uh, on my podcast, um, the night before this, actually, we had a gentleman on named Luke. And he is a ceremonial magician. And he was describing to us, me and Alden, my co-host, about his very first evocation of a spirit from the Ars Goetia. And he was describing to us, there were some events that were occurring right before the entity had appeared and, and shown up. And he was talking about this rhythmic, sporadic tapping that was happening all around him in this basement. And so while this was all happening to you and I, Tim, 
I immediately thought of that. And so I wanted to get it straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. And so I called him and I just asked him like, you know, when you were telling uh, me and Alden about that, could you just repeat what you had experienced right before the, uh, the actual arrival of the entity or spirit? And so that's what he did. So this is a first. This is an on-site recording of a speakerphone <laughs> conversation yeah, with someone. Yeah, I wasn't someone. sure if that was so, gonna, how that was going to sound to the recorder. So we're in the woods, and you're on your speakerphone, and, and we're talking to Luke at the same time. So here you go. Hi, Luke. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm here with Tim right now, Tim Renner of Strange Familiar Podcast. Wow, look at that. Hey, Tim. Nice to, nice to meet you. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? Very well, thank you. A little bit starstruck. I'm a big fan of your podcast. Oh, that's, that's very flattering. Thank you. So we're out here in the woods of Maryland, and, and we have been hearing an excessive amount of very strange tapping and knocking. Okay, interesting. So could you just refresh my memory a little bit in uh, yes. the events leading up to one of your evocations? Could you describe a little bit about the knocking? Of course, yeah. It was the, uh, it was the, I believe the story that I was recounting was my, my first evocation in the basement of the, uh, the furniture store that I was uh, working at at the time. Is that, that correct? Yeah, the one that scared you to death. Yeah, well, they all scare me to death to some degree, but uh, yes, that one, that one particularly did scare me to death. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I was repeating the conjurations of the, uh, the initial conjurations of the, the, the Megatons Goetia. Um, I think I got around to about the second time of uh, running it through when the atmosphere in the room started to change and became very thick and heavy. It was almost as if someone had turned the gravity in the room up. Um, and there was a, a strange prickly sensation in the air. And it was at that point that I began to hear a rhythmic knocking, usually in like triads of three. So if I can, I don't know if you can hear this, but something like that. Yeah. Um, not quite as close together, and they were a little more sporadic, and you'd have a few knocks here and there that were that were completely kind of out of rhythm, but they did not sound like the kind of things that you would have from, you know, just a natural kind of creaking and cracking of an old building. Uh, it sounded like they were being consciously made by something in a in a repetitive pattern, and they were they were fairly loud and aggressive, and it sounded like they were being made on the the hardwood floor. Of the, the room that I was in. What are the ones that you're experiencing sounding like? Uh, you just described it. Really? Yes. The knocking in threes, the, sp the sporadic. I wouldn't describe it as aggressive, but it's very excessive. We've been hearing it in multiple places at one time. Well, that's very interesting. So I didn't mention this on the, during the interview yesterday, but that it has become... Because I, I'm, I'm a little bit wary about dishing out too much information on... No, of course, I understand. Uh, on this, well, more than anything else, I just don't want to colour other people's experiences um, if they're if they're going to actually practice and try it. But the yeah, that has that has become a kind of signature sign for me when I'm performing a ritual when I'm practicing that the spirit has arrived to some degree, or at least is on its way to arriving. That, that to me, is one of the first signs that I'll get, and I've, I've kind of come to recognize that as something that I can rely on <laughs> to the actual manifestation of the entity. You know what some of the uh, interdimensional Bigfoot people say? It's the sound of them popping into our dimension. So it's, you know, a very similar idea. 
That's yeah, that's really interesting, you know, and I wonder if that's um, that could be could well be the case uh, because there are some strange physical things that occur that, that Joel was telling that I had no idea were were um, correlated or corresponded in any way with some of the other cryptid sightings. Or I'm, I'm no expert on the paranormal. In fact, most of what I know about it has come from strange familiars. So. Um, the, I, I had no idea that that was uh, something that, that, that people look out for or people have noticed, but that's, that's a very firm sign that the, the, the spirit is there, yeah. Well, thank you so much. You, have, you, you don't know how valuable this has been. <laughs> my, absolutely, my pleasure. Give me a shout whenever, whenever you guys like. I will. You have a great night. You too, and a pleasure to meet you. Send me thank you. It was nice talking to you. Yeah, that what he described in threes and I won't go back and play all the knocks, but they were definitely coming primarily in threes. Yeah. Like very triadic. Mm-hmm. If I can use that word. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was quite interesting. There are a lot of parallels between all of this stuff. Well, and certainly. I was thinking about this uh, earlier was that everything that we experienced yesterday is like a plate of everything that you talk about in the show on a routine basis between synchronicities, between parallels of different uh, paranormal phenomena. It was all there in the span of five hours. Yeah. At this point, we're making our way back down through the woods, back to the the parking area from the cemetery. This is the area that I call, you know, Gazoo's Woods proper, because this is where I originally photographed the, whatever it was that I call Gazoo. And as we're going down in there, this is where I mentioned, like, whoa, the pressure just changed here in this section. I'll go ahead and play that first, and then we'll, we'll play a clip where you can actually hear the, where the hum starts that I talk about. The atmospheric pressure just changed, and I got a hum. Yeah. Can you hear that hum? Yeah. Like a real... Mm-hmm. My ears are almost popping. Like We're not on a mountain. That... No. The atmospheric pressure should not. Uh... We're on a slope, but not. Yeah. It, it wouldn't do that. Yeah, there's nothing that should make my ears pop. Yeah. So in this one, you can hear the actual hum start. You can like hear it kick in, and this is right when we were talking about that. Right when I was saying that there. And that hum was just kind of under that whole conversation. That was a section before we started talking about where I could just pull it out. And like, you can hear it ramp up. You can literally hear it go. And that thing, it just comes out of nowhere. It was uh, very strange. Yeah. I could feel the pressure in my ears. It was really weird. Like I didn't get as much of a physical reaction as you did, but I definitely, I could, I could hear it and I could kind of sense it, but I wasn't getting like the the effects that you were with the ear popping and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they didn't pop, but they felt like they were going to. I could feel the like the pressure on my eardrums. It was it was like being at a concert when they just hit like a you know really low bass note, like seeing the Swans or something. Just you know, yeah, that's super low bass. Right after that, now this all this happens. This next bit happens in a really compressed period of time. I'm gonna play the next clip and then we'll come back 
and kind of describe everything that happened. This is a lot that happens here. Let's play the clip and then we'll break it down. Hear that, Al? There is something interesting up there. First, I want to picture. There's probably nothing. But the way the sun's hitting it, this clump of leaves or whatever is straight ahead of me. Is it next to a tree? I mean, there's. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, about 100 yards straight okay, ahead. Yeah. If it moves as we approach, yeah. it's something. Could be a stump or anything. Depends who you ask. Usually it's a, a coincidence with meaning, but if you ask me, it's like oh, almost every coincidence. Alright, so hold on for a second. So we, we're hearing that owl, right? Yeah. My girlfriend just texted me and says, I made a masterpiece. Do you want to see? I said, sure. We have a joke that our cat looks like an owl. Wow. <laughs> yeah, what is the chance? Because right then, I mean, yeah. just right. Yeah. All right, I lost it. I'm 100% serious. So. Are you talking about that dark thing over there? It was, ne- it was next to that. Okay. It was next to that. I was locked on it. I turned to look at your phone. Well, I, I, I saw something... Not tall, but I thought it was. I, I don't know. What, it didn't look like it was a thing. If that makes sense. Probably. Yeah, I mean, unless the. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I guess we should go look at that little clump anyway to see what that is. While we're here, it's been changing all day. Whatever that is. Not, 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 not stop. Stop. Not right, not. Stop. Not, not, stop. Not, right, not. It does seem to be in, in triples more than any other pattern. Yeah. Whatever that's worth. Well, dude. Look at this. This is whatever I saw was next to this. That one's a not a bush crash. <laughs> I mean. All right. Let's break all of that down. And there's okay, a... So you... So we, we cross the bridge. We're on, uh, like, on the trail. And you go over to relieve yourself. And I say... I hear the owl. And I say, Tim. And you said, you hear that owl? And I said, yeah. And so we walk a little bit, a little bit uh, up the trail. I get that text from my girlfriend. I opened up, and it's uh, basically a collage of uh, one of our cats. Let's slow down. Slow, you're, 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 you're going too fast. You're missing stuff. Oh, okay. My bad. Number one, we cross the bridge. We are in the area where Chad and I saw those red eyes at that night, at this point, basically. This is the area where I came back and found the maybe formation over top the trail. This is the area where, you know, I got the rock thrown at us that night. This is a pretty intense area anyway. I said, I have to, I have to urinate. Now, many people in the Bigfoot world will tell you that it's when they urinated that things went nuts. 
Now, things didn't go, you know, nuts. I didn't, we didn't get screamed at or anything. I've talked about this before, and I do this in practice because it's old folklore as regards the earth whites, the earth spirits. You're supposed to warn them before you relieve yourself and apologize afterwards. Now, there was so much going on at this point, and I had something else on my mind. I, I so Another question I wanted to ask you, unrelated to all this, I just clipped it out. But I don't think I did the warning or the apology this time. I think I just peed and left, for whatever that's worth. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear you say anything. But it's, I'm literally peeing, I hear an owl, and I, you know, I turn over my shoulder, and I said, you heard that owl? And you're like, yeah. yeah. So we definitely heard the owl. So let me go ahead and play this owl that maybe has an EVP in it, too. I'm not sure. You know, I was just trying to grab the owl. You have to listen close. So the owl was distant, but it was there. Okay, now that I'm listening with headphones, I think that's when you said Tim. I think that's what I thought the EVP was. I think okay, you were. I think right. you were saying saying my name. I wasn't listening with headphones before, but the yeah, that makes sense then. The owl's in there. I didn't think that I said anything, but I probably did say your name. I think that's just that section. I think you were trying to get okay. my attention. You said Tim, and then I said, "Did you hear that owl?" And that's what you were. That's what you were saying. That's why. Yeah, well, you, the reason I wanted to get your attention was because it was it was very loud and apparent. Like it wasn't just some owl off in the distance. It was very close and loud. And this is at mm, four four twenty maybe at in the afternoon something like that. Yeah, I mean the sun was kind of starting to go down. Yeah, but it wasn't night, so you know. No, I, not even close. Maybe the owl was you know out early, but yeah, I, I I've been there lots and heard owls, but never during the day. But it was like literally as I'm peeing. So for whatever that's worth, after that, almost immediately, dogs start barking pretty aggressively. So. We'll just play and they were, had been barking throughout the day, but this was a little bit different. Yeah, this was, this, you know, well, we'll listen to it. Here we go. So they sounded pretty upset to me. Yeah, they did. To me, too. Yeah, you know, we'd heard a couple dog barks throughout the day, but that was uh, the most extreme, I thought. Um, they were very alarmed. Yeah, yeah. So it crossed back over the bridge, and almost immediately, I see something. Now, I'm going to try to be careful about the way I describe it. It caught my eyes. It was the way the sunlight was hitting it. And I was looking at it, and this happened to me before. <laughs> Actually... 
I described it uh, when I was down along Muddy Creek. <laughs> I was relieving myself. Same thing. Was relieved myself. Looked up on the ridge above me. Saw silhouette. Again, I'm not saying it was Sasquatch, but this was like a perfect silhouette of what you would imagine a Sasquatch would look like standing perfectly still above me, kind of looking down as I was doing this, and I was waiting for it to move. I was just like, please move, like move, so I know that you're not just a bush or something. It never moved, and I never thought to take out my camera and take a picture of it, take out my phone and take a photo of it. So when I saw this thing, it was kind of on the little ridge line or the top of a hill or something. I saw this thing, the sun hitting it. What I did was pull out my phone, and I tried to take a picture of it. Because I didn't want the same thing to happen again. I literally had that, you know, that muddy creek in my head. Like that same exact, like, ah, oh, I didn't take a picture that time. I was just too amazed. Well, I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, that look, I, looks like the head and shoulders of something kneeling there, sitting there. I don't know. But the sun's hitting it. So I got out my cell phone and I took three pictures. I took one picture without zooming and I took two zoomed in. I don't know if my hand was shaking or what but the two zoomed in pictures are completely blurry and useless the first picture i took you can see something in now i'm not going to put this on the website i'm not going to put this in the facebook group and the reason why is i don't want bigfoot people to take this photo and say that i'm claiming i saw bigfoot and i don't want people to use it and frankly i also don't want the people telling me it's pareidolia yeah it probably is pareidolia I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the 5,000 comments of people like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I will put <laughs> yeah. this I will put this up on Patreon for patrons because they tend to be kinder. And if you're a patron and you want to tell me it's pareidolia, I'll take it. I'll hear it from you. <laughs> but uh, let me go ahead and say, I know this, this could be pareidolia. What I th- think is in the photo is what I think I saw. You be the judge of what that is when you see the photo, if you're a patron. I don't know what it was. I know what I think it looks like. And we'll just say that. Well, I like what I, when you said, like, you were seeing something, I looked over there, and what I was seeing was two definite things, and then I I thought I saw something, and then when when you said it wasn't there anymore, and I looked, I realized that I was seeing something that was no longer there. And I was seeing on the ground next to a tree something white or light in color and then i saw uh it was like a a stump but more than that it was like a a group of stumps i guess all kind of like mangled together and then there was something next to it that was taller and i assumed and the way that it kind of looked was like um a cut off rotten out tree and then when you said it's not there anymore i looked and i was like "Oh, oh okay there something moved some there, there that whatever that rotten out log was, it's not there anymore. It's just the the group of stumps that was next to it. Yeah. So, I see this thing. I am locked onto it. My, I'm totally locked onto this thing. And you know, you hear me say it on the recording. I said, we're going to walk towards this thing. If it's something, it's going to move. If it's some, you know, if an animal or something, it's going to move. If it's nothing, we'll just walk up and we'll see what it is. So my eyes are literally locked onto it, and I'm, I'm walking straight for it. And that's when you get the text from your girlfriend. And you said, you know, hey, you know, the synchronicity, it's now. And, and it showed a picture of your cat, but it was also pictures of owls. It was like a collage she made, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you said, you know, look at this. And I turned to look. I took my eyes off of it. And I looked at that photo on your phone 
three to five seconds at the most. Less than, like maybe three. Turned back and it was gone. Whatever I was looking at, whatever I photographed, whatever the sunlight was hitting was gone. No sound, no uh, hearing of, of crunching or of ice or anything of the sort. Nope. Just gone. Just not there anymore. So walked up to that area and lo and behold, right beside where it was sitting, crawling, I don't know, whatever it was, is this structure. Um, there was a few structures there. Yeah. I'll put photos of them up as well for the patrons. The weird thing about that is we were talking on the way up about, you know, this this new idea I have about structures marking places of contact where the other in whatever form has had contact with us. And maybe they're marking it with these structures. And I was saying, I think the location of that BFRO report, based on the fact that they said they were sitting at a picnic table, is at this one particular pavilion area. These structures are right behind that. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. wow, is this something? Like, is this going to be a thing now? I don't know. The whole thing, the whole thing was super powerful. And you said something later on. You said, I don't think we were meant to see that. Well, I just felt like, and I brought this up to you because the atmosphere while we were on the fire road was playful. It was entertaining. It was fun. And then when we got into the woods behind the cemetery, basically, or, or next to the cemetery, it wasn't aggressive or um, dark in any way, but it was just more stern. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, this you're, you're this is business now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you said something like you feel like it got caught, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, uh, I just said it messed up. It, yeah. It, it, yeah it, we weren't supposed to see that, and it didn't do its job properly. And when we got up to those structures, again, this is all, you know, what are feelings worth? But that area there, I was literally thinking, like, yeah, this, I don't know about this area. And later on, I was thinking, like, Chad's going to want to go to those structures at night and I don't want to do that. Like I was literally thinking like, I don't want to be in that area at night right there. Well, when we were talking about spending the night there when I got warmer and I, and I know that you said something about like, yeah, that area. I don't, I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, I will, I will. Cause yeah, know, I will too. It's my job. I will go there, but, uh, yeah. and I actually have, and I, and I told you and I showed you that there's a hole in the base of a tree and I was going to use that as another possible offering spot. So mm-hmm. I have that exact area marked on my maps. Yeah, well, I mean, I can find that area, no problem. Yeah, um, so that was super interesting. Again, you know, another inconclusive photo taken of something, uh, another inconclusive photo taken by me in Gazoo's Woods. Whatever this was that I photographed, be it pareidolia, be it, uh, you know, whatever, it was, I'm guessing, you know, maybe... 150 yards away from the original gazoo, quote unquote gazoo, the original thing I photographed there. So, you know, in that same kind of general area, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I know it was well, a I, weird day. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how much to put into that photograph, but when well, I, I can, I mean, when I saw it and when what? I blew it up, you know, when I, I got home and I'm actually looking at like the photograph and I'm trying to like, find what I saw in it basically. So I'm blowing it up, you know, cell phones don't have great zoom anyway. And, and like I said, the only photo that came out was the one that wasn't zoomed in. It was just the, the photo I took so to really blow it up to see 
what I was looking at. And once I saw it, I was like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah I you don't sent know. that to me, and I was like, I, I, okay, I don't know. I really don't know what to say about that. Yeah, yeah. So you know, again, if it's it's nothing, it's pareidolia, it's it's a clump of leaves. Fine, I'm not going to argue anybody on it. I'm only saying my eyes were on that. I looked away, and it wasn't there anymore. Maybe the the, the sun changed in that three seconds that I looked away or something, and it just looked different. But uh, I don't think so. I don't but the think thing so. that I you know, and I kept telling you about this and I kept coming back to it was how the timing of everything was so pertinent and when I got home I kind of questioned my girlfriend about like why did she send me that picture when she did and because in my mind I thought she probably had just made it and then sent it to me and I asked her that and she said oh no 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 I made that like three or four hours before but I assumed you were busy uh, with Tim and walking around. So I thought I would wait a while to send that to you. Wow. So I don't know why that just that hit me really weird. No, that distraction I mentioned before, it was, it was as if it was like crafted by a, by a stage magician. It was like that yeah, perfect. It was like a sleight of hand. Yeah. It was that perfect. Like the timing was that perfect. It was like turn away. It was like the perfect distraction. Like it was unbelievable looking back. Like I had to, that had to happen right then for me to mm-hmm. look, look away. It, it you know, it seemed like it was perfect timing. I'll say that. So, yeah, uh, you exactly. know, let's uh, chalk one up to the other. Good timing there, the other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, Gazoo's Woods, you know, woo following woo for me. You know, I just did that show for patrons about Kadoris and uh, did not expect all this at Gazoo's Woods. We'll be back. We'll be heading that way again. We got some more experiments we want to try there. Octavian, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Well, it's a Strange Dominions podcast, and it's basically me and my uh, my co-host Alden talking to paranormal experiencers, occult experiencers, trying to draw the lines between the two phenomena and see where they connect and how they interact with each other. Very good. And where can people find it? On our website, strangedominionspodcast.com, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Awesome. You're on YouTube too? Yes, we are. Same thing. Strange Minions podcast. That's just the channel name. All right. It's a new podcast. Everybody do the like and subscribe thing and help them out. You know, do all the things. Octavian, uh, I think we'll be hearing from you again. Absolutely. So I made some references in that to a previous episode we did for patrons, episode 290, The Structure at the Dream Site. That was a patron episode. I think it was the 83rd patron episode. We're in the 80s now. We have well over 80 patron episodes. If you want to hear that and all of the other patron episodes... You can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. There's different tiers of support there, but no matter what tier you go in at, you get that extra content, those two full episodes of Strange Familiars we do every month. It's a great way to help the show. It helps us bring you more Strange Familiars, and we couldn't do Strange Familiars without our patrons. So thank you to each and every one of our patrons. You make Strange Familiars possible. Again, that's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars.
Now we're going to turn the mics over once again to John and Sam from Riverbend Comics. Hi, John. Hey, Sam. Uh, it's Riverbend Comics. Back to share with you a couple more of the titles that uh, that we like and uh, that may have some tie-ins to the Strange Familiars podcast. What are we looking at today, John? A comic book from DC Comics called The Nice House on the Lake, written by James Tiny in the Fourth. And we've talked about him before. We talked about him before, and the thing so he's you know, he writes the Department of Truth, which we've talked about. He writes a comic book called Something Is Killing the Children, which is a fantastic horror comic. He talks he's written um, mainstream stuff like uh, Batman for quite some time. And the thing I like about him is I was thinking about this this morning is that the Department of Truth, Something's Killing Children, and this book, all written by the same writer, are so vastly different from each other mm-hmm. that you can tell he's like excited to play in all kinds of different sandboxes, and um, it's not it's not the same thing. You never know what to expect. And this, and I don't say this lightly, this I was thinking as well this morning that this is my favorite comic book being published currently. Wow, that's um, that's high praise. If I had to drop everything and can only read one comic going forward this would be the one and why is that so this has so much going for it first of all this is set up as a 12 issue series and we have the first six in hand now and now there's a giant break before the next six arrive they're starting back up in march of 2022 so i'm almost seeing this as season one we have a little break and then we get the second half of season one uh and based on what's set up in these six issues uh, I have a hard time seeing all of it getting resolved in 12. So I do have this secret hope that like the 12 issues will be the beginning of um, a much longer story. But So let's talk about the setup here and why it fits the genre, this horror, uh, supernatural genre. Well, it's it's funny. We don't know. Um, what clearly, do- clearly there's some supernatural stuff going on here. So the basic premise of this book is that we have an individual named Walter who has spent uh, his life, and he's in his 30s, as that we know of. Um, he has spent the last several decades making friends and making relationships, and he's kind of a weird guy and has a diverse group of friends. And what we have here is he hasn't seen a lot of these folks in a number of years, but he sends them all a message saying, I have this wonderful house on the lake uh, at my disposal. It's amazing, and I want you all to join me there for, for this specific week. And he kind of strong arms them, coerces them, and begs them and pleads them to all come. And so he essentially assembles his group of friends at this house on the lake. And they shortly find after they arrive that um, what's happening outside of this property uh, is chaos. The world sort of falls apart very fast. Um, People melting in the streets, civilization collapsing. People's faces literally melting off. And they see all of these events play out on one of the guests' cell phones and then eventually turn on the TV and uh, find out that it's global, that it happened very fast and there's really not a whole lot left. And what we come to find out is that Walter, who invited all of them to this house, tells them that you're all here, you were all chosen, and... I selected you because I wanted to keep you safe from what my people were going to do to the world. My people being? Well, he specifically refers to it as what my people were doing to your planet. 
And so that sort of clues us in to the fact that while we don't know where Walter is from or who he is, we now know he's not from our planet. And there are a series of flashbacks which show the development of these relationships with these people, many of them from when they're very young, even teenagers or even before that, where Walter has clearly like created like he's on a on a mission i guess to establish these relationships with these people so that because because later on the plan is to bring them all together and so we're getting clues and hints about things throughout those flashbacks that i don't think are entirely uh, legible right away um there's a this is one of those very intricate maze-like a very mysterious stories where there's a lot of like hints dropped along the way that don't probably won't make sense until more of the story, more of the mystery is revealed later on. Yeah, he's laying out a mosaic that we get it's, little pieces of it. It's pretty intricate. And we start to put them together as they go along. And by the end of the six issues, you start to get a good shot of that whole picture, but not all of it yet. And, man, it's a super character-driven story. We really get to know the individuals that are there, why they're there, how they're related to each other, how they're related to Walter. Um, it's really written well and super smart. And... Um, and, he, he and scary and, and really kind of terrifying and, he, and part of the reason it's so terrifying is the unknown that we don't actually know what's happening and so we don't know what's happening in the outside world the other thing i'll say too is that there's a bit of a framing sequence in each issue where the characters are speaking about these events from the future mm-hmm. and so we get a little glimpse of what's happening to them then we don't know how far in the future um and so we're getting these like different pieces of time that play together from the past to the present to the future and amazingly illustrated. Um, I feel like we should talk about the artwork a little yes. bit. Yes. Talk so, about these covers here. We're looking at um, two second printings, I think. Maybe a third printing. Yeah, they've, these, this book has gone to multiple printings at this point. Um, it's kind of neat because the, the covers are striking to begin with. And as they go into future printings... Um, they use the same cover art, but the second printing has it's a lot more distress, distressing and almost like the edges are burned. And then you get into the third printing and it's even farther beyond that. So like the comics are deteriorating. Not only is it like the edges are burnt up, but like the pages are yellowed. Yeah. So it's that's... <laughs> that's really neat. Yeah. So the cover art and the interior art are done by a, a guy named Alvaro Martinez Bueno, who's a Spanish artist uh, who's worked with DC before on a bunch of things. And... Um, he was totally off my radar until I saw this book. I've, I've read some of his past work and it didn't really hit me, but I don't know if my tastes have changed or if his um, uh, skills have improved or if he's really just putting his all into this because it's a labor of love. But man, the illustrations in this are some of my favorite I've seen in the industry. It's gorgeous. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, I love some of his tactics, like uh, the individual panels of the comics don't have borders on them, so mm. they just sort of very painterly, where they kind of bleed off into the margins a little bit. Um, great color choices. His He clearly has uh, really good skills uh, in design work, because a lot of the interiors of this house almost look like architectural drawings. Mm. Um, super, su- setting the bar very, very high for that kind of thing. So I'm struck now, I guess, in um, in thinking about this and thinking about our last conversation, um, which involved uh, black-eyed kids, uh, that there's something in common here, which uh, I think has become a pretty popular trope uh, in comics lately, and I'd like your opinion on what you think of this kind of like in general. Uh, but the idea that like it's it's 
it's an accepted reality. It's a fait accompli that the planet is uh, in decline in both of these stories. Like that there is a finite, there's an end. There is a seeable end to the human race. And it's coming soon. And in one case, it's like, uh, we don't know what, quite what they are, but they're beings who have come to basically dispose of the human race for their own designs, kind of in a matrixy kind of way. And here, we don't know what Walter is or who his people are, but they clearly have um, no love for the planet Earth, and they are uh, doing doing with it, at least in Walter's scenario here, what they what they what they will, and it's it's pretty destructive. So the like the theory that's sort of emerging from this is that like I don't know these comic books seem to recognize that like the planet is is in duress. Uh, and that we are, you know, rapidly coming to some kind of cataclysmic end. But in both of those cases, there's an outside force that's creating this this uh, imminent problem, you know. And it's a malicious outside force that is bent on violence and and uh, conquest and destruction. And I think that's really interesting. That like the accept yeah. the acceptance of the fact that the planet is doomed, but there's but it's it's the it's at the at the hands of some other malicious being which. You know, wishes ill upon us and and wants to destroy us. Well, it'd be pretty. It'd be a pretty comfortable and easy um, way to think about it to take all of the 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 distress that the planet is under right now and think that it's not us doing it. Like, let's put it on somebody else. Yeah, that, yeah. Look look at this horrible thing that is happening to us, rather than saying, "Wow, we really need to uh, address some of our own life ways and." clean up our mess so to speak uh-huh. so so um, again we're trying to avoid spoilers here uh, but in general uh, we've now read uh, I guess half of this run right and it's yeah. taking a, hi- a hiatus and uh, where 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 are we going with this here like what's the, the thing is well, I'm going to answer my own question here but where we're going is we don't really have any idea and I, I, I'll leave it at that without giving up anything because issues five and six reveal a lot of really important information that actually may or may not be true <laughs> yeah uh, we don't really know but but it opens up a whole nother like in the i'll be honest with you in the initial uh reading of these first couple issues i was like okay this is where can this go it's really kind of limited yes we know that there are characters who have who have moved on past this because they're telling us uh the story in retrospect but we don't know enough about that to say uh, to, to to provide a, a, a more a wider framework for what's happened, so it seemed to me like the, it it was too limiting initially. Like putting these twelve people in a house, where's that going to go? You, you know, like how can how can that be interesting? How can that provide us with unex- the unexpected and the exciting? But it, it it has blown those doors have been blown off, and that's all I'll say about it. Yeah, for sure. Um... In some ways, I kind of like the fact that we have this finite group of people who are confined to this one space, um, because that kind of forces the uh, it forces you to pay attention to the relationships between those people, and it forces the conversation to be that much more important. Um, we don't get to go off on tangents to other locations or bring in other characters. Like this is what we've got, and this is what we've got to work with, and what does that mean? So. Part of me thinks that's kind of the strength of it. It's kind of like, uh, it's sort of like MTV's real world if they couldn't leave the apartment and everything outside the apartment was burning down. 
yeah, it's it's a terrifying situation, um, and it's hard to even like verbalize like where that fear comes from. Like I know after re- when I originally picked up this first issue when it first came in and read through it, it left me with such a feeling of unease mm. after the first issue. I remember. You, I remember. We, I was in the room with you after you read it. and You were like, "Whoa." <laughs> This is the best thing. I really dig this. Yeah, it totally Which speaks not, to the kind of horror that I enjoy. Yeah, it's not the, a reaction I hear from you often. Usually I get like, I hear the pages close and you're like, all right, and you go on to your next thing. So that was, it was, you know, a unique and yeah, I mean, I've, response. I've been reading comics for 30 some years at this point, and it's I. It's probably longer than that. Probably. And I tend to get, a, because of that, I sort of sometimes feel like I've read it all, I've seen it all, and I tend to get a little bit jaded. Mm-hmm. And, um, so when something really excites me and I'm like, wow, uh, that's something I notice. And um, that's not something that happens super often these days. So. I would also just point out that this is a, you know, I, I really like DC Black Label. Yeah. For those that aren't familiar, DC Comics has uh, like an offshoot imprint that they refer to as DC Black Label. And it tends to be where they put the things that are not necessarily tied into the other DC Comics continuity. But also they sort of bring in like A-list artists and writers and really um, push the envelope, push the envelope and aim for like a high caliber of work. And generally speaking, that that seems to be true. A lot of the black label stuff is worth reading. That said, I don't really have a good transition into Perhapanots. It's such a <laughs> vastly different. Yeah. Other feel. end of the spectrum here. Other end of the spectrum. So uh, so Perhapanots is an image title no no sorry it was an image no actually in fact it was initially black dark horse then image and now it's scout comics um it's been through a couple publishers been through a couple publishers it's uh 16 17 years old already it was initially published in 2005 uh you have um it's i don't know how how do you pronounce that name todd zago is the writer and the artist is craig rousseau right so they're they're putting together here what is uh, sort of a collection of uh, <laughs> uh, bizarre characters. Uh, there, I mean, this, there's a there's a, like a, a theme to it, right? There, we've seen this before, where there's like a cl- collection of characters who are um, solve mystery. I don't know. I think of Scooby Doo. <laughs> well, it's really funny because I was reading a brief interview with Todd DeZago, and he said that when they when he pitched this storyline to Craig Rousseau originally back in the two thousands. He basically pitched it, and I'm trying to remember exactly how he worded it, as a sort of combination of Scooby-Doo. X-Files? X-Files. Yeah, it was. It was Scooby-Doo, X-Files, and Archie Comics. Yeah, that's, that's, and that's, that, I don't know if that appeals to you as a, as a triad, but it works. I think it works. Yeah, it's super fun. It's super lighthearted. This um, is hilarious. It's funny. It's great for all ages. In fact, as actually one disappointment with this is I was reading through this, and I was like, this is an amazing all ages book that you could give to any kid and they would love it. And then for some reason, in one of the issues, they throw in one example of profanity that would make me hesitate handing it to certain kids. And that was kind of a bummer. But that aside, I mean, super uh, super family-friendly. So who are these characters? You have, well, Big, who's Bigfoot. We have Bigfoot. Yeah, the, the makeup of this team is pretty hilarious. We have a ghost. We have a ghost. We have a chupacabra. We have a psychic. Well, yeah, she's like a telepath. 
Yeah, she, yeah, she's she's telepathic. She's got psychic powers. And MG, I don't really know. MG has the ability deals. to sidestep between dimensions, right? Okay, and open portals essentially. So, but upon first looking at this, and then getting to know the character of the, these characters, the first the one who's like the sort of like uh, rocket raccoon character, or you know, one of those guys who's always going to like that's ma- a good comparison. Make you laugh is is Chupi, who with his goggles and his terrible attitude and his perpetual scowl is like for me a mini hellboy I mean, yeah. he's, he's not beating anyone up but he wants to yeah he's he is the comic relief in the in the team for sure and also a little bit uncontrollable because he's he's like animal plus hellboy plus rock and raccoon yeah <laughs> he's just a ridiculous character so they 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 you know solve mysteries and they are you know out to try and um suppress the really dangerous cryptids that are out there, cryptids themselves, but other cryptids that are out there that are going to um, wreak havoc upon the world, and so their job is, they're like this, you know, secret organization that you don't really know about, and uh, and they're the Perhapanauts, and they're just a bumbling bunch of, they don't really get along with each other, <laughs> and there's lots of, like, sniping, um, and then there's wonderful moments where, like, people get cut in half by dimension jumping universe <laughs> halos and uh, there's just all kinds of hijinks like that and uh, this is only the first the first volume uh, first blood and they're kind of self-contained units like watching a, a cartoon where you would have like a, a resolution at the end and then there's some of the through lines throughout it um, like this one monster who won't leave them alone uh, but it's 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 a, it's a romp and it's um, it's it's illustrated uh, in in a way that that fits, I think fits the genre. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Cliff Chang's work in a way, um, from uh, Paper Girls. And I just, it's just funny as hell. And uh, I I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. Craig Rousseau, the illustrator, did uh, a number of years on a comic book called Impulse, which was a spinoff character from the Flash mythos. And uh, he was sort of a kind of a humorous, uncontrollable speedster. Um, Related to the Flash, so this is a cool collection. Uh, this does reprint the original series that Dark Horse published years ago. That was largely forgotten, and so it's found a new home at Scout Comics. And I'm happy that they're packaging it and putting it back out. Um, one of the other nice surprises for me at the end of this, which I didn't realize, um, was there is a cover gallery, so you get to see all the original covers, uh, and then there's a pinup gallery where different artists are doing their rendition of. The Perhapanauts, which is really cool. Um, there's some uh, really neat shots in here. Matt Talbot, Guy Davis. Uh, but the one that I noticed was uh, a really cool illustration that I'd never seen before from the artist Mike Wairingo, who was good friends with Todd DeZago and worked worked with him on a lot of works. But um, this is uh, dated 2006 that Ringo drew this, and he passed away in 2007. So it's like one of his last illustrations that I've seen. And I got to meet Mike Wairingo at a convention so many years ago, and he was probably the nicest guy in comics. I was mm. super happy to chat with him. Huh. And it was like a year or two later I heard that he passed away at 44 from a, from a bad heart disease, some sort of heart issue he had. So it was kind of nice to see him pop up when I didn't expect it. Um, other relevant characters that are going to show up in this book, uh, we get to see the Mothman mm-hmm. get teased. Uh, there's an entire chapter, which I was thought was really amazing, on the uh, the Kelly Hopkinsville goblins. 
which is kind of neat. And it goes through the whole history of the <laughs> so of the funny. goblins, which uh, is a classic story that everyone listening to this podcast is probably super familiar with. Uh, they go and actually sit uh, and talk with Mary Lankford uh, as an old woman, and she recounts her story of the of the goblins. And then they go and meet the goblins. And I won't tell you what happens when they meet them, but it's super cool. <laughs> this is fun. This one is a high, high recommendation for all ages. Yeah, so The Perhapanauts is awesome. This is the first of a couple volumes. Um, we've got both of them in stock. Uh, when they released the second volume, they also put it out as a, as a one-shot special comic, which is great with a really cool Flatwoods Monsters cover that um, is pretty neat. And that issue does focus on the Perhapanauts going back in time to the Flatwood Monsters occurrence and um, going face-to-face with it. It was really neat. So, uh, Dice House on the Lake... Um, a winner from DC, and uh, Perhapanauts, an oldie but goodie from uh, now from Scout Comics. Yeah, I'm really hoping they um, make some new, new ones. I think there are some new ones coming. Oh, so really? Okay. These guys need to get back together. Yeah, I think they're. I think they're working on some new ones. I think I saw early next year. There's another series that's starting, but I have to confirm that. Well, there we go. Uh, you can find any and all of uh, the comic books that we talk about on our website, RiverbendComics.com. That's all for us. And uh, until next time. Until next time. Ninety days to the perfect puppy can help you if you have puppy problems. Would you need help with mouthing and biting? Not yourself, your puppy. They might have solutions if you're mouthing and biting too, though. I don't know. You have to ask ninety days to the perfect puppy. But if your puppy's mouthing and biting. Or you need help with potty training, fear and nervousness if your puppy's barking or chewing on things they shouldn't be chewing on. If you need help with crate training, hyperactivity issues, leash training, and more, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can teach you what to do and also, perhaps more importantly, what not to do. You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy has a relationship-based approach that helps you and your puppy become perfect for each other. They have online sources like video lessons, a secret Facebook group, and of course, one-on-one options are available. Let 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy help you understand how your dog thinks and apply proactive training methods so you and your puppy can become perfect for each other. Again, you can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. I know we did a similar Curiosity of the Week very recently, mm-hmm. but I also know you like a theme, Allison. I do like a theme. And as there was a prominent alcohol at Gazoo's Woods when we were talking, I thought I'd break out yet another wonderful Al stereo view. I believe we, we did this one in the past. Did we not keep one of these for ourselves? <laughs> I think this is ever so slightly different than the one we did before, isn't it? It's different than the last one we did. It's fantastic. I would love to know where this actual collection is because it's probably taken from an actual like Wardian case or something with birds in it, don't you? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. You has a really great collection of those, which you're not never allowed to see when you're there. (laughs) At Nixon Park, they have all the cool birds in the cage. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So this is a stereo view of a group of owls, a bunch of different owls. We had this one on before, but way back. It's been a long time. It's called Wise Ones in Council. 
That's a really great image of a bunch of owls. Is it a parliament of owls? Is that how many owls there are? If a group of owls is a parliament, yes. Mm. A George, George Clinton of owls. They are funkadelic indeed. <laughs> if you go to the show notes under this episode, you'll see an image of this stereo view. You can click on that. It'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can purchase this and other curiosities of the week. Allison keeps adding photographs, beefing up our selection of antique photographs there. We have Strange Familiar's short sleeve t-shirts there. All sizes, small through 3XL, are in stock still at this time. There's artwork there. I put some new and uh, new to Etsy originals, some older originals up. Different price ranges of originals there. All of my books are on there. When you order them from Etsy, they come signed. And possibly by the time you hear this, or shortly thereafter, brand new Strange Familiars mugs will be in the Etsy shop with the Awoken Tree logo. They are on the way. I got the message. They're on the way to us. So we will list them on Etsy as soon as we get them. Limited edition. It just means one extra day when maybe I don't have to do the dishes. <laughs> We're not. No. no, no. <laughs> Can we just use all those mugs? No, that's not what they're We don't have for. a dishwasher, so. No. We will keep one Strange Familiars mug for ourselves. The rest are going Not a one. pair? Like we don't even get our own? Sure. If you want okay. If you want a pair, we can keep a pair. All right. The rest are going up on Etsy, though. If you want one, get them, because once this design is sold out, we might make more mugs, but I think that'll be the end of it for this design. So there's going to be about 30 of them available, more or less. We'll see once I give out my freebies. Mm-hmm. After that, we'll do another design down the road. But if you want one, make sure to pick it up on Etsy. Again, they should be on there. If not, by the time you hear this, shortly thereafter. The long sleeve shirts are still not ready. We will let you know when they are ready. We'll be taking pre-orders on them. And I think we'll probably do some hooded sweatshirts with the same design as the long sleeve shirts. We haven't done some hoodies in a long time. Some people were asking for those. So we will have hoodie options and long sleeve options as well for those. Again, we'll let everybody know when those are available. Hey, speaking of Etsy, you can find Chad's shop on there, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors, as well as our friends at Karmic Garden with their Strange Familiars and Flannel Man scents. No one would know that you ever worked at Crabtree and Evelyn. <laughs> that is a secret. No one is <laughs> no one is supposed to know that. I don't think Crabtree and Evelyn wants that known either. They don't want anybody to know. It was known. pure nepotism. You didn't just walk in there and get a job. No, they weren't super happy with me as an employee. want to thank John and Sam for stopping by and taking the mic. And patrons will be back soon with another patron episode. Not sure what it's going to be. <laughs> But you'll get one of those before the end of the month for your second patron episode. Again, that's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars if you want that extra content. That's all for now. We'll be back soon with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. If you want to hear more or purchase music by Stonebreath, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com, where you can also get Strange Familiars Episode 300, The Witch Cloud. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars Gathering Group. We are on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, one word, and you can always find us on the web at strangefamiliars.com.
how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
Facebook guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.